The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. Good evening for those that are in uh, Eastern Standard Time in Australia and welcome to the BSV Buddhist Society of Victoria's Monday Night Meditation, Guided Meditation. And uh, this is Anjan Nisarano, for those who know me uh, or don't know me. I am a monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm 23 years ago uh, as a full monk, fully ordained monk then. And for 14, almost 14 years, I was living in Sri Lanka. And eight of those years, I lived in a cave. But now I am based in Newbury Buddhist Monastery, where we are live streaming this uh, Monday guided meditation from. So this evening, as usual, there will be an introduction to the meditation, the guided meditation, the actual meditation, and then uh, it says bell, and then we can have comments, questions, or complaints, uh, whichever comes. And uh, so this is the format for the evening. And if you wish to ask questions, please enter them in the YouTube live chat, in the YouTube live chat. So... I'm just going to introduce the theme for this evening. Always have a theme. <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday I gave a, a Dhamma talk entitled Spiritual Friends, The Whole of the Holy Life. And uh, in that talk, towards the end of that talk actually, I gave the seven qualities of a spiritual friend uh, that the Buddha uh, enumerated. He mentions in the uh, numerical discourses in the Book of the Sevens, hence the seven qualities. And it's uh, Sutta number 37, uh, and it's a, a Sutta called A Friend. And I used an example, because an example is always very good, um, gives more uh, impact, of one of my very important Kalyanamitas spiritual friends, Ajahn Brahm. That was, and I very much enjoyed it. And uh, so that that sort of set up in my mind after I did that, that uh, this when we talk about qualities of a spiritual friend, when we think about the qualities of a spirit, somebody that is a spiritual friend for us, it's like recollecting the sangha. It's like uh, recollecting our teachers who have um, helped us develop on the path, and of course. The recollection of the Sangha is one of the recollections, the Anusatis, that the Buddha recommended we use to develop a lot of joy uh, and piety, to use that as the ignition point for the development of samadhi and using that samadhi, of course, for uh, developing insight. So this evening I'd like to do a guided meditation for that will be a recollection of a spiritual friend. And this, of course, will be, we will be doing it for ourselves. So we'll be recollecting someone that has been a very important influence on us. And it may be a Buddhist monk or nun, or it may, may not be a Buddhist. So, and it can be um, someone who's not an ordained person, a lay teacher, a friend. And I'll talk about... Um, the different types of Kalyanamitta, 
and this, of course the type that the Buddha uh, recommended the most. <laughs> so, but just briefly to talk about what a spiritual friend is. This is a Kalyana Mitta, and of course in English, uh, you know, famous translator Bhikkhu Bodhi, he translates it as a good friend. But I note that many people use good friend in quite a different way <laughs> from necessarily a spiritual friend or even a, even a virtuous person because we can have good friends who are our drinking mates or, or whatever. They, 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 uh, uh, we join in in some activity which may not be so wholesome. So a Kalyanamitta is someone that is a, a spiritual friend or a spiritual guide. And so this is the quality, this is something that aids us in developing the spiritual life. And the spiritual life, of course, is, you know, looking for happiness, looking for wisdom uh, inside, not outside. We're always looking, we're very conditioned to look for our happiness through the five senses. But this is looking for happiness through the mind, through the wisdom that we can develop. And of course, I mentioned yesterday that uh, a spiritual friend is not like a guru. This idea of a guru is not really something that we read about in the Buddha's teaching. Uh, it is something that appears in the Tibetan teachings, um, which came that influence came from Hinduism. But it's not some. Of course, the Buddha is not encouraging blind faith. <laughs> this is not something that uh, is so useful for us. Uh, as I always remember what Ayakima said about blind faith, she said, faith can move mountains, but if it's blind faith, it doesn't know where to move them. <laughs> and it's very true. It, blind faith doesn't know how to use that energy in a way to develop enlightenment. So the point of a, a Kalyanamitta or a spiritual friend is there someone that... Uh, uh, teaches us, they inspire us. That's a very important thing, actually, inspiration. And they encourage us. And they give give guidance, they give advice. And uh, they, uh, they also encourage us in having faith that we can do it. And this is a very important part of a Kalyana Mitta, and I see it with Ajahn Brahm. He sometimes likens himself to a coach. <laughs> who is actually encouraging us, yes, you can do it, go out there and do it, <laughs> which is lovely, which we need, actually, that with that encouragement that we can do it. And, of course, when we get that faith, then we will have that energy. So um, this is a very important aspect of what a Kalyanamitta does, but I'll talk a little bit more about why they're so important. And some of these things are obviously the important aspects too. But a Kalyanamitta... Apart from teaching, teaching is more often seen as more inspirational, but there's also, and you see it in the qualities of the Buddha, the aspect of training, training. And uh, the Buddha mentions uh, he's, he's likened as the, the unsurpassed trainer of people who are trainable or tameable is another word they use. And of course that's talking about, isn't it? our negative qualities, we're being trained, uh, well, we're being trained in positive things too, like meditation, understanding Dhamma and all that. But it's training is often uh, where we work on our defilements. 
And this is where Kalyanamitta becomes like a mirror. <laughs> and they can help us. And they can only help us if we have some faith in them. If we don't have faith in them, we won't listen to them. We'll think, what would they know? <laughs> and that's very much the case. So it's an important thing. And the Buddha, as I mentioned yesterday, said that uh, if someone points out our faults, it's like someone pointing out a treasure. But he mentions it has to be a wise person. Many people will point out our faults, but they're not necessarily that wise. <laughs> they may just be plain angry with us or upset with us. So, so it's important. That's an important qualification. So we need not listen to all the criticism, so-called ad advice, um, if we, we think the person hasn't got that wisdom. And also, very much, very important with the Kalyanamitta, they're not just pointing out our faults in a cold way. They have a warmth and a concern for our well-being. That's why they're doing it. So this is important too, because if we think somebody's just harassing us, <laughs> we won't take to their advice very well. But if we think that they have our best interest at heart, then we will um, listen and maybe act upon it. And of course, you know, they, as I mentioned, part of that training is to encourage us, we can do it, we can do it. And... Uh, of course, the best uh, Kalyanamitta uh, in the world was who? The Buddha. <laughs> He's the epitome. But we're, it's pretty hard to come by the, a Buddha these days. In fact, the Buddha said there's only ever one Buddha's teaching at a time. And we still have the, the teachings of the Buddha Gautama. But why is he the best Kalyanamitta? And he says this actually in a number of uh, his teaching suttas where he says, because he is free of greed, hatred, and delusion, and fear. He mentions this in the Dajaga Sutta. So this is somebody who's very pure, who has seen with wisdom the nature of life, and is teaching, teaching us just out of compassion, as, as do the Arahants. Because for them, the job's done, the work's finished. <laughs> so they, they haven't got anything more to uh, to do. And of course, this is where, you know, that, uh, as I mentioned, the, the title for the talk yesterday about um, the spiritual friend is actually the whole of the holy life. And that, of course, comes from a teaching where the Venerable Ananda said to the Buddha that, oh, a spiritual friend, a Kalyanamitta, is half the holy life. And the Buddha said, not so, Ananda, not so. It is the whole of the holy life. And uh, that somebody with a spiritual friend uh, will, uh, what does he call them, a spiritual companion, a spiritual comrade, will develop and cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path. So this is why the, uh, so the Buddha made such a, put such an emphasis on it. And he also mentions that in terms of himself being a spiritual friend, he says, and you notice it's quite different, isn't it? Spiritual friend quite different from the idea of a guru. A spiritual friend is someone there who's um, who is not talking down to you and is there to support you, whereas a guru is obviously telling you how it is. <laughs> but he says um, that to Ananda that a spiritual that uh, those that rely upon him um, as a spiritual friend. Uh, they are freed from uh, subject, 
those beings subject to birth, aging, old age that is, illness, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure and despair, those beings are freed from them because of the relying on the Buddha as a spiritual friend. And so this is part of the reason why the Buddha is the um, epitome of a spiritual friend. And of course it brings up the question then, does a spiritual friend have to be uh, an awakened being, or at least some to some degree? And of course, the the best spiritual friends are they are um, somebody that has developed one or other of the stages of enlightenment, um, because they have seen the path, they know the path from experience. And as I pointed out, I think during the talk and today as well, that. If you want to go somewhere, you ask somebody who's been there. You don't ask somebody who hasn't been there. And that's why, you know, a spiritual friend that is awakened or has a degree of awakening, one of the stages of awakening or enlightenment, is the best spiritual friend because they know the way. They know the pitfalls, especially if they've, they've completed it and become fully awake and fully enlightened. But... Other spiritual friends that may not be enlightened can still be of benefit because they can establish us in the qualities of factors that we need to develop the Noble Eightfold Path, to enter the Noble Eightfold Path. And these factors are very often mentioned when you talk about the qualities of a stream enterer, you know, a sotapanna or so on in cinema. And those qualities are generosity, and this is something that uh, a, uh, a spiritual friend would encourage us in because it leads to happiness and it leads, is one of the qualities of a stream enterer that they have uh, incredible generosity. And they have um, also virtue, so this is morality. Their, their uh, morality, their virtue is that which is loved, is uh, appreciated by the noble ones. And uh, they have, of course, from uh, and what other qualities a spiritual friend would encourage us to develop is faith. Because a stream enterer, they have unshakable faith in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Why unshakable? They've seen it for themselves. <laughs> so no need to, to wonder if it's, it is the case or not. <laughs> so... But this faith that uh, a, uh, a spiritual friend can uh, encourage us in is really, at least, if it's not in a Buddhist context, at least, you know, the a practice of a spiritual path that leads inwards. Um, but of course, the Buddha is particularly talking about the Dhamma. And the other aspect that is very important that a spiritual friend can help us develop, um, encourage us to develop, and and uh, teach or talk about is right view, all these aspects of the wisdom part of the path that lead us to practice the Noble Eightfold Path in the way that leads to awakening, to enlightenment. And very, very importantly um, is the, uh, the understanding of what good and bad are and their roots, the roots of both of them. So this is kusala akusala, and the, the roots, the mula. But, of course, right view for a stream enterer, the very crucial one, 
A very crucial aspect of that will be seeing impermanence, anicca, uh, seeing dukkha, suffering, unsatisfactoriness, seeing anatta, those three aspects, very important. And of course, the dukkha part, the Four Noble Truths. So a spiritual friend will incline us towards that wisdom. And as I mentioned, there are many different levels of spiritual friends. And of course, the Buddha, as I mentioned, top, <laughs> can't do better. And uh, someone who has uh, awakened to one of the stages of the Noble Eightfold uh, of Enlightenment, um, they're also uh, very important, uh, the best, the best spiritual friends. The Dhamma teachers, they can also be important spiritual friends. And of course, they come in all shapes and forms now because we have the internet, <laughs> YouTube, books, etc. And you can meet many teachers via that. And of course, there is always with the internet, uh, one has to be a bit selective and have some sort of understanding, particularly if you're going in a Buddhist direction of the Buddha's teachings, because some things you'll hear on the internet, the Buddha never said. <laughs> Not likely to say. There are more fake quotes on the Buddha on the internet from the Buddha than uh, than anything else than the real ones. So this is an important area with the um, internet. But I think be choosy and you know go for um, teachers that have uh, that uh, are representing the Dhamma in a very in a way that is consistent with the Buddha's teaching. Of course, that means you have to understand the Buddha's teaching somewhat. And of course, other other Kalyanamitas, these can be Kalyanamitas, are parents, of course. You know, our parents teach us a lot. The Buddha called them our first teachers, didn't he? You know, and he said, he said they were like devas and all this. This is not a popular idea in the West. <laughs> But, but this is, they can be, you know, some people, their teachers are real role models for them. They really have taught them so much and their, their children uh, take on a lot of the values and qualities. I've known, um, uh, you know, I know families where the, uh, the father and the mother, doctors, the whole family doctors, <laughs> unbelievable. You know, so they've taken on a world view and an importance in that profession. So, and they weren't forced to, I gather. Well, most of them weren't, anyway. And of course, school teachers are very important, sort of Kalyana Mitis. And I still remember some of my teachers, even from primary school, that goes back away, and from high school. And some of them had a big impact because of the values, the, the world view they gave me, you know, the way of seeing the world. And I think that's very important to, for us too, because that's part of what a Kalyana Mitta is doing, you know. They're giving us a view that is very helpful for us. Um, if, if it is leading to unwholesome qualities, then it's not helpful. <laughs> so, but also other types of Kalyanamittas can be our friends, even employers. I know some people in Sri Lanka that are very inspiring employers and employers, and they run their company on Buddhist principles. So it's very nice to see. And of course, we ourselves can be a spiritual friend to ourselves if we um, are versed in the Dhamma, and if we, um, if we understand Dhamma, and as I mentioned yesterday, we become a real spiritual friend to ourselves once we become 
a stream enterer. Because <laughs> the Buddha says then we're independent in his teaching, uh, which means that we've seen the path, we know the way. That doesn't mean you can do without the Buddha, the, the, so on, or a stream entry doesn't say, bye-bye, Buddha. <laughs> it may, they appreciate the Buddha even more, actually. And, of course, you know, then the Buddha helps them or the other teachers help them to walk the rest of the way. But having got to stream entry is the big step, the big step. And so why is a spiritual friend so important? And I think you sort of gather that from all that's gone before, but one of the main reasons the Buddha mentions is because it, a spiritual friend is a cause for wholesome qualities to arise that haven't, haven't arisen before, and also for unwholesome qualities to decline. So in other words, this is a good test for our practice, really, not only for a spiritual friend, you know, is, is this spiritual friend leading to good qualities developing in me or not? But also, if people often ask, well, how do I know I'm progressing on the path? <laughs> and I say to them, well, a good qualities growing and uh, bad qualities declining or decreasing. And of course, the very important reason for uh, the uh, why um, a Kalyanamitta, a spiritual friend, is so important, is that we are conditioned beings. Many people don't think like that. They think, I choose, I'm independent, I'm not pushed around by other people's views. But we are, we're very affected by the company we keep, the, the things that we read, the things that we watch, be it on the internet or wherever. So these, these are influencing our lives. And for people who think that's not the case, just look at the power of advertising. <laughs> it's incredible. It works. People don't spend millions and millions, billions of dollars on advertising because it doesn't work, I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, you can see it in the way we, you know, the way people dress, conditioned by advertising, by current fashion, uh, what what is currently considered beautiful, you know, and in different societies that differs. In India, at the time of the Buddha, chubby was great. One was really beautiful. Then when I was younger, uh, Twiggy, Twiggy, the model, supermodel, came in with this sort of matchstick approach, which was then seen to be beautiful. So we seem to have come to a bit more of a balance now, which is good. So, and also, you know, the way we think and feel is conditioned by our parents, family, schooling, society, culture, past life, the works. So, as I, I said yesterday, birds of a feather flock together. And we can see that at the time of the Buddha, monks that were similar, or monks that attracted disciples, their disciples, they were either similar before they came to that teacher, or they became very similar. So we have a negative example, Venerable Devadatta, who tried to kill the Buddha and take over the Sangha. He attracted uh, disciples and they had similar qualities to him. And Venerable Sariputta, he encouraged, he attracted the very wise analytical types. Venerable Ananda, he attracted those that were very more social and more, more outward going and kind, good communicators. And Venerable Mahakasapa, all the very stern, austere types that, uh, that liked very simplicity to the max those sorts of people. So the company we keep is very important and it conditions what we become, which is the idea of a monastery, really. <laughs> that's the idea. But one of the, the other things that's very important, besides the fact that we're conditioned, 
so it's almost time to stop, is that a spiritual friend connects us to the Dhamma. It's the person that makes the Dhamma come alive for us, that see that, that uh, we can see the importance of Dhamma, the relationship to life of this Dhamma. It's not just a theory. And because they can um, they they make this can help us make this connection. This is how we can begin to practice and have the the energy to practice. So that is a very important aspect. That's the the, the Kalyanamitta or the spiritual friend is someone who arouses this interest in Dhamma and uh, and and gives an example, a role model almost of of that of how to develop that and maybe how and often we see with uh, spiritual friends they have qualities that we really want to develop ourselves and that's actually quite a driving force whether it be loving kindness or um, other qualities you know that they're very compassionate very wise whatever we, we want to develop that so these teachers they enable us to um, develop our spiritual lives at a deeper level and to practice the Noble Eightfold Path. So that's the um, uh, qualities of a Kalyanamitra and why they're important and why they're the whole of the holy life is because we're, we're influenced by them. They're role model example and uh, this is a good example for us. So I'd just like to um, before I restart this, read out, because I mentioned that this was a form of a Sangha Nusati, and this is a recollection of the Sangha. And uh, so I'll just read out what the Buddha says about recollecting the Sangha. Um, when we do the recollection, people can do, if they wish, they can do this uh, recollection of the Sangha in the classic way, or they can think of the qualities of, of a particular spiritual friend that they know that's influenced their lives, enriched their lives and connected them to the spiritual life looking within. So this is what the Buddha, how the Buddha describes uh, the Sangha Nusati. He says, uh, this is from a sutta called uh, in the numerical discourses again in the Book of the Sixes and it's Mahanama and it's, uh, it's here he says the about Sanghanusati. Again, Mahanama, a noble disciple, recollects the Sangha thus. The Sangha of the Blessed One's disciple is practicing the good way, practicing the straight way, practicing the true way, practicing the proper way. That is, the four pairs of persons, the eight types of individuals. This Sangha of the Blessed One's disciples is worthy of gifts worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of reverential salutation, the unsurpassed field of merit for the world. And then the Buddha continues, when a noble disciple recollects the Sangha, on that occasion their mind is not obsessed by lust, hatred or delusion. On that occasion their mind is simply straight, based on the Sangha. A noble disciple whose mind is straight, gains inspiration in the meaning, gains inspiration in the Dhamma, gains joy connected with the Dhamma. And when they are joyful, rapture arises. And for one with a rapturous mind, the body becomes tranquil. 
uh, one tranquil in body feels pleasure or happiness. For one feeling happiness, the mind becomes um, one-pointed or still. This is called a disciple who dwells in balance amid an unbalanced population, who dwells unafflicted amid an afflicted population, as one who has entered the stream of the Dhamma. They develop the recollection of the Sangha. So there we are. That's, that's how the Buddha describes the Sangha Nusati. And just to, uh, just to mention briefly, when he mentions straight, that means uh, not distorted by, uh, due to defilements, the unwholesome roots or the five hindrances. An unbalanced population, again, they're unbalanced by the defilements, being pulled around by uh, desire, aversion and delusion. Always going up and down with them. <laughs> so there's no stability, not the understanding of the Dhamma, not seeing things as they truly are. And so an afflicted population, it mentions, is, you know, they're suffering. There's the suffering that arises due to those defilements which are torturing us. And entering the stream, of course, is stream entry, uh, the first stage of awakening. So that gives you an idea of Sanghanasati. And so now we can actually do the meditation. And uh, um, when we do this, we are looking at developing these wholesome emotions as a support for the arising of uh, one-pointedness, as it mentions, you know, this uh, Buddha mentions that uh, we can develop this joy, uh, we develop it called joy connected with the Dhamma, um, and then we can develop rapture, this is piti, and when then we can develop tranquility of the body and the mind, and then we can develop happiness, and then we can develop samadhi, one-pointedness. So these positive emotions, that when we recollect the sangha, that can bring up these, that can ignite these qualities. Of course, gratitude brings up joy. There can be respect, faith, inspiration, peace. It can bring up a lot of uh, safety and security, um, it can bring up a lot of positive emotions, which can be the ignition for this process that leads to the mind coming together. So there we are. And now we can begin the guided meditation, probably now for about 40 minutes. We've gone on a bit long there. And uh, so this is a guided meditation. So we can, first of all, find a comfortable posture to sit in. And, and maybe on a chair or on the floor on a cushion if we wish. However we find most comfortable, but also give some alertness to the body. And we can just close our eyes and come into the present moment, letting the past be, letting the future be, just taking a break. <laughs> from the past and the future and feeling the body noticing what it needs in terms of adjustment I often move the shoulders just to release any tension and finding what's best most comfortable for 
the body to sit up or straight up, reasonably straight, not uh, not tense. If we're sitting and just seeing if we are balanced, isn't it? The head over the shoulders and the shoulders over the hips. If we feel a sense of balance and also ease, you know, in the body. Now we can relax the body mentally. This is very important and effective. We can start with the top of the head, back of the head, and sides of the head. Just giving this, these areas this kind attention, a warm attention, relaxing. And then moving our attention to the forehead and soothing the forehead, relaxing it, giving it this mental massage. And then around the eyes, I do a lot of work during the day. Relaxing them, letting go of any tension around the eyes, allowing it to dissolve, ease, reduce. Becoming aware of the cheeks and around the mouth and the jaw. With this warm, relaxing attention. Just here with the body, giving it this loving kindness. And moving the attention down to the neck, all around the neck, giving it a good mental massage. And then bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving along the right shoulder, soothing it, allowing the tensions of the day to dissolve, relax, soothing it, mentally massaging it. And now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the arm, 
and slowly moving our attention down the right arm to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers with this warm, relaxing, kind attention. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder, relaxing it, letting go or dissolving the tensions that we we carry, often carry in our shoulders. This warmth and kindness. Now bringing to mind the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, the hand and fingers of the left arm. Soothing it, relaxing it, being kind. Now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention slowly down the back, giving it this warmth, kind, mental massage.
And now we can bring to mind the front of the body, starting below the shoulders and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, the sort of diaphragm area uh, below that, and then the stomach area and the abdomen area. Relaxing and soothing any uh, tight areas, any tight areas where there's pressure, giving this kindness, this warmth, to allow the body to relax. Now we bring to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg. And we can move our attention down the right leg, all around it, to include the knee, ankle, the foot and the toes. Soothing them with this warm, uh, balm-like, loving kindness. Bringing ease and relaxation to the right leg. And now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes and soothing them as it were applying a balm or this warmth and kindness, allowing the right leg, the left leg <laughs> to relax.
And now we can bring to mind the whole body, just sitting, or however it is, uh, or whatever posture we have, and feeling the whole body just in the moment, and feeling this warmth, this loving kindness, this healing for the whole body, here in the present moment. And now we can bring to mind someone who has been uh, an important spiritual friend for us. Someone that has opened up the spiritual life for us. That's created the conditions or the ignited the interest. And maybe a, a Buddhist teacher or another spiritual teacher. Someone that's uh, living or passed away. Uh, or maybe some some teaching that we have, or teacher that we have come across in videos on the internet or books or whatever, and we can get in. Just bring to mind somebody that is um, has been and a spiritual friend for us, has had this interest in our spiritual life, and has kindled that within us too. And we can get in contact with a feeling that remembering, bringing to mind the spiritual friend arouses. It may be joy, it may be thanks, inspiration, or even a quality that they embody, like uh, their friendliness, their metta, their kindness. Whatever it is, getting in contact with that feeling that's aroused by recollecting, remembering that spiritual friend. If you do, can't think of a spiritual friend, then you can, of course, recollect the qualities of the Buddha, uh, sorry, of the Sangha, using that approach, the standard recollection of the Sangha, if you wish. 
and going through those qualities of practicing the good way, of practicing directly, of practicing the true way or in accordance with reality and practicing in a proper way, consistent with the path. So whichever. we can fill ourselves with this feeling, whatever feeling came up for us. Maybe it's joy, often it's just being thankful, maybe a sort of sense of inspiration, uplift. And we can fill ourselves from head to toe in the body and fill the mind with this quality of thankfulness, joy, inspiration, whatever it is that comes up for us. And we can turn our attention to the breath and breathe in this quality, this feeling that uh, we've experienced. Maybe some joy, some thankfulness or inspiration. Breathing it in and breathing it out. And it makes the breath very attractive when it has this feeling, this very positive feeling with it. And for those who wish, who like mantras, can use a word on the in-breath and out-breath, sadhu, if you like, if you know what that means, or wonderful, awesome, or marvellous, thank you is another one. So whatever you um, feel works for you. Just breathing in this feeling of thanks, of joy, inspiration.
for what we have been given by, by our spiritual friend and breathing it out to the world. And if we find this feeling reduces, whether it be of joy, thanks, inspiration, faith, whatever it is that comes, if it reduces, we can remember the spiritual friend. Or if the mind becomes peaceful, we can let go of all of it and just be at peace with the breath coming in and going out. Thank you.
And now we can share whatever we've experienced in this meditation, whether it be peace, happiness, joy, thanks, inspiration, whatever it is, with everyone listening to this live streaming, wishing them this quality in their lives. And now we can share this, whatever we experienced in the meditation. As I mentioned, peace, joy, inspiration, thanks. With all those in the area we find ourselves in now, radiating this feeling in ever-widening circles to include more and more beings, human beings, animals, insects, reptiles, etc., to cover the whole world with this feeling that we've been developing in the meditation. And now we can bring the attention back to ourselves and we can have the aspiration, uh, the interest, the intention to develop more of these good qualities of the spiritual friend and to develop those positive emotions that arise from keeping in mind the spiritual friend. And sharing them with those that we meet during the day that are in our lives. So that our speech and action comes from these good qualities. That our spiritual friend has inspired in us. And we can anchor this feeling of joy or peace or happiness, thanks, 
was aroused by the qualities of the spiritual friend, we can anchor this in our hearts so we remember it. And now we can conclude by asking ourselves, how do I feel now? Do I feel any different from before I started? Or not? And was I able to arouse, uh, did a feeling arise of thanks, of joy, inspiration, when we, when I contemplated or remembered a spiritual friend who was important for me? And lastly, what caused these feelings or, that I experienced to arise? What triggered them? So please slowly come out of meditation, open the eyes, and to relax the body. So I hope you found that uh, meditation, guided meditation, useful. And of course, its uh, spiritual friends are, are a great source of power and inspiration in our lives. And I feel in my life, very blessed by having encountered many, uh, I feel many spiritual friends over my life. So now I can, we can have uh, any comments, questions or complaints. Complaints, I don't have a spiritual friend. <laughs> no, I'm sure everybody has some inspiration. Yes, Max. Oh. Mm, thank you, Ajahn. So we have, we do have some questions from online here mm. and many different comments. I'm sure people appreciated that. So I'll just go from the top. All right. First one's a question. Mm. Um, it's a little bit long, so I'll just go through it. So a good friend, mm. also a Kalyana Mitta. Mm recently recommend me to join a teaching program from the Tibetan tradition. Hmm. She said that the tradition is more structured and will be good for me. 
I explained to her that I better resonate with the Theravada teaching, but she has registered me in the program without my permission. Hmm. And she asked me to attend with open mind. Not to disappoint her, I agree. Deep in my heart, I felt obliged. What can I do? Yes. Yes, well, say thank you, but no thanks. <laughs> if you really feel that it's not not for you. Because people do have a spiritual interest in in mind, but they, of course they, they come from what's helped them. And um, that's, you know, relevant for them, but it may not be so relevant for us. So I think, you know, the kindness, the concern, um, the interest they've, they've shown us, that's, that's very useful. But um, if, if we feel compelled to go, then I think that's not necessarily a, um, something that's a, a good way to start, is it really? Um, we feel we're forced to go. So I'd, I, I think, well, it, you could see what it's like, um, see if there's any benefit, you know, or just say thank you, but no, thank you, that's very kind. Because uh, in the end, you know, we have to walk the path. <laughs> the spiritual friend can't push us from behind along the path. The Buddha didn't do that, but they can help us you know, to develop that interest. So the interest really for any spiritual practice has to come from us and uh, and that is, uh, that's good, you know, that's, that's essential really that because it's our spiritual, the spiritual life we're developing. So, um, you know, I would say that um, I'm sure the person's doing it out of the best interest, your best interest, but um, if you feel that it's not for you, then um, you don't have to attend. <laughs> you don't have to attend. You don't even have to uh, to pull out of the, the course if you don't like. But I think it's it, it can be nice for the friend to let them know that uh, you, you didn't go to the course. So just just see what you, you feel about that. But as I say, it's got to, the motivation's got to come from within us. You know, we can't be pushed. Hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so another question here, Ajahn. Mm. Ajahn, what's your advice on the best way mm. to respond to someone mm. who acts in a way that is opposite to a Kalyanamitta, oh. especially if they're mm. a close relative or person of authority? Hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, I think uh, with uh, someone who is not a spiritual friend, one somebody one doesn't feel close to, even though they may physically be close to, somebody that one feels hasn't got one's best interest in, at heart, it's always um, important to maybe uh, uh, be careful, <laughs> be cautious, um, not to take on board too much what they say. Often some of these um, a negative f feedbacks we get, we take on board, don't we? And uh, they can impact in a very negative way on our lives, especially, you know, if it's in a family context and it's repeated often enough, you know, for instance, oh, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're not, you're not good looking, you're not this, you're not that. 
we can come to believe it, or we can even come to believe this is important. <laughs> so very uh, always, I think, when we encounter that, is always to um, keep the positive in mind, you know, the positive role models that we have. Bear them in mind and give them the weight. Um, and with these uh, negative uh, influences in our lives, you know, if possible, you know, to um, you know to uh, to have compassion for them, yeah. But to, uh, to uh, if we're finding they impact on us, to keep our distance is not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So, but if you're in the family, you can't really, can you? <laughs> you're seeing them every day and so on. Um, but as I say, keep in mind the positive examples. And and as I mentioned before, you know, the Buddha encouraged us to um, see someone who's pointing at our faults as like pointing, like somebody pointing at a treasure for us. But it's only the wise. Remember somebody who um, uh, is coming from a negative place, that's not a wise person. It's not wise for them, not wise for us. So uh, we needn't give them a lot of value in what they say or take it personally, um, which is uh, what often happens when <laughs> we get hurt. So that's what I would advise. Keep the positive role models, the positive spiritual friends in mind and don't let these um, negative influences erode the heart um, and uh, make us uh, develop negative negative thoughts about ourselves, negative feelings about ourselves. So that's what I would advise, yeah. It's difficult, you know, difficult if you're living close with somebody like that, yes. Thank you, Max. That was good. Thank you. I hope that helps. Mm. Well, um mm. Lots of uh, thank yous and salutations. Yes, the um, But that's it in terms of the questions. Oh, all right, that's good. There we are, so we can sort of finish off fairly soon. But I, I was just going to, as I mentioned just before, uh, at the end of the guided meditation, I feel blessed that I've had so many different uh, spiritual friends in my life. From, you know, I was thinking from when I was young and at university and doing yoga and the the swami who used to teach the yoga he was a real character and he was a spiritual friend yeah, swami venkateshananda and also the uh, the woman who taught it every week he used to visit regularly um and uh, the woman who taught it every week lakshmi and then later my spiritual friends in quakers quakers there were some very nice uh, spiritual friends there that modelled this amazing sort of acceptance and wisdom about the world, and also with um, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, there were many good qualities that I saw around him and uh, his disciples. And then, of course, you know, coming to Buddhist days, um, I've been blessed to um, known Ajahn Jagaro, who was Ajahn Brahm's predecessor very wise and uh, gave lovely talks. Um, and then Ajahn Brahm, of course, Ayakima, was a very big influence in my life. And, of course, Bhante Ji, Bhante Ji, Bhante Gunaratna. And having met him and been to retreats with him, and he used to come to Perth quite often. 
and going for walks with him in Melbourne <laughs> when he was here in Melbourne and um, also with Saido Utejaniya, you know, very, very valuable uh, spiritual friends. I learnt so much from all of them and I'm still learning. So uh, I hope that all of us can uh, find or meet spiritual friends that we feel um, enrich and deepen our spiritual lives, encourage us on the spiritual path, encourage us on the path to awakening, to on the Noble Eightfold Path. So I'd like to finish there, and uh, those who would like to, we can uh, pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. As it's audio, we can do it in an audio way. <laughs> there we Aram Samma Sambuddho Bhagava Bhunham Bhagavantam Abhivadeni Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Dhammang Namasami Supatipano Bhagavato Samvaka Sangho Sankang Namami So I wish you a good night or a good whatever time, wherever, whatever zone you're in, <laughs> time zone, from Ajahn Nasarana at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. <laughs>